to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Tonight we continue our Bible study series on living the Lord's Prayer. Living the Lord's Prayer. I opened up with an example last week. I'll open up with another one. What would you think of a husband who is constantly praying, Lord, strengthen my marriage, but then goes out and repeatedly commits adultery? It's like, wait a minute, something's wrong here, right? Why are you bothering to pray, Lord, strengthen my marriage, when you're not doing anything about it? And that's the concept behind this Bible study is we're talking about living the Lord's Prayer, not just praying the Lord's Prayer. In the process, we're going to look at each phrase in the Lord's Prayer and talk about what it means and the truths from God's Word about that. And we're going to talk about how then do we actually pray that other than just saying the words. How does that influence the way we pray? But also, how should it influence our life? If we're going to pray about something, we should be willing to live it out and to be part of the solution to whatever problem we're praying about or whatever um, issue we're praying about. And so that's the focus we're taking each week. This week, we're actually moving beyond just one word. We're dealing with the whole phrase. Hallowed be your name. And I really appreciate Tony picking out several songs that went right along with that theme. And uh, so we're going to be talking about Hallowed be your name. Uh, As we've been doing all along, we're going to read the whole prayer, even though we're just focusing on that phrase from verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. It's in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. It's really in the middle of some of Jesus' teachings about some good spiritual disciplines we should be involved in, including prayer. And he says, starting in verse 9, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So up to this point, we've dealt with some background issues about prayer that Jesus um, taught some principles on before he got to the Lord's Prayer. We talked about the word our and how the other pronouns in this prayer are all plural. Our, we, us. That lets us know that we don't just come to God alone. We come to God as a part of a family, as a part of a community, as a part of the body of Christ, and we need to keep that in mind um, as we pray and as we live our lives. We talked about um, Father, that we can call God Father. He is God, and He is holy and righteous and just and all these other things, but yet we can call Him Father if we know Him through Jesus Christ, His Son. And last week we talked about the fact that it says in heaven, all right, that emphasizes his holiness and his omniscience and omnipresence and all that. And if you missed any of these, you can go back and listen to them online. So he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I want to mention something real quick before we jump into it. Um, those first couple of statements in the prayer, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is very obvious and undeniable that the next two we're going to deal with, starting next week, your kingdom come and your will be done, are modified by on earth as it is in heaven. Both of them are. Some Bible scholars say, though, that the one we're dealing with tonight is also modified by that. 
In other words, they're saying what, the, uh, what uh, Jesus is trying to communicate as we're looking at this. Um, Hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Now, whether that was Jesus' intent or not, that certainly is true and should be true. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention that as we um, jump into this. So before we look at our four questions that we've been dealing with each week, there's two important concepts that we need to define as far as how they're used in Scripture. And the first one is the meaning of the word Hollywood. So if someone were to walk up to you and say, hey, I read the Lord's Prayer and I've been saying it my whole life, what does that mean when it says Hollywood be your name? What does Hollywood mean? Does that mean something like Halloween or, you know, what? what? Holy. Okay, I said that kind of funny, but there actually is a connection between the word Halloween because it comes from hallowed evening. Okay, we don't think of it as being a hallowed evening, but you can research that on your own. So it means holy. All right, but what does the word holy mean? Set apart. Yes, the word sanctified is related to holy, and it both mean, and both of them mean to be set apart, to be set apart from something and set apart to something. So what are we set apart from? Sin, death, the world. Yeah, what are we set apart to? God and his purposes, all right? In this case, we're actually talking about God's name. Um, so God's not set apart to God, but still, there's that sense of set apart. There's that idea of separateness, of difference. It's different. On your note sheet, I have this. Hollywood can mean to make holy or to treat as holy. To make holy or to treat as holy. So there's a lot of depth to that concept, but in relationship to our study tonight that we want God's name to be hallowed, it basically means to treat with highest honor, okay? We don't make God's name holy. It's already holy, right? But yet we need to treat it as holy. And we want other people to treat it as holy too, okay? So we're starting to get to the root of that there. So hallowed, and then it says the name. We understand the idea of name, but in what way is a name holy? I mean, what does, what does the, 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 the term name mean, biblically speaking, that would um, indicate that it needs to be holy or treated as holy? Because, I mean, isn't a name just what you call somebody? What, what else is there in a, in a name that makes it... Uh, such that it needs to be treated or, or made holy. Tim, I think I saw your hand first. Okay, it's not just something that represents that person or what we call them by, but it represents their character or reveals their character or indicates their character. Uh, Vita, did you have something to add to it? Was that pretty much it? Okay, so God is so totally different that even his name is Holy. You know, it's interesting because we sang that song tonight, Blessed be your name, O Lord. It wasn't just blessed be the Lord. You know, even Jean's testimony. She said, bless, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and bless his holy name. You see, I think we're so used to hearing that that we accept it and we understand it without even thinking about it, that the name and the person, they kind of equal each other. And that's still true today, right? I mean... My first name is Tim, so Tim is who I am. If somebody starts talking about Tim, Pastor Tim, you think of me, but you don't just think of me as a person. You think of who I am, who I represent, my position perhaps, my character, my personality. And so we see that 
um, just in general, but in Scripture, it's even clearer and it's even more emphasized. On your note sheet, I have it this way. Name, a person's name signifies the person and describes something of their character, nature, or personality. We see this a little bit today when people are choosing their children's names. Sometimes they choose to name their child you know, after a family member, you know, they got a tradition, you know, a great uncle George or whoever, or somebody the second or the third or the fourth. But sometimes people choose children's names because of what the name means. You know, you may have somebody that wants to name their daughter Grace to remind them of God's grace. All right. And, you know, names have meaning. You know, I remember when I found out my, my name meant Timothy means honoring God or to honor God or honor of God. I thought, wow, I like that. Vita. They said what? Uh huh. Okay, to live the name, live up to your name. We're going to come back to that because that's part of this concept too. Live up to the name you have. You know, there's that aspect. We don't want someone to bring down the family name, right? Okay. Um, we see it in Scripture, right? People in Scripture took great care in naming their children. Um, all the way back at the beginning, Eve named her first son Cain. has something to do with God's giving me a man. I'm not talking about her husband, but a man-child, all right? Abel's name meant something special. Seth, who was born after Abel, was murdered. Um, Eve was comforted in that God gave her another child. And Seth, I didn't take the time to look up exactly what that is, but that name meant something. If you study the story of Jacob... And his 12 sons by Rachel and Leah and then the other two maidservants. Each one of his children's names, which became the 12 tribes of Israel, has a very specific name that has a meaning. Unfortunately, it was because of the rivalry between the two wives. When they had a child, they named that child something to really dig it into the, to their rival, okay? Um, or to praise God, okay? So you can go back and study that alone. But we also see that in times, um, God told people what to name their child or change somebody's name because of his plan and purpose for them. Can you think of any examples? What did you say, Nina? John the Baptist? Okay, yeah, he said you would call his name John. Who else? Abram. Yeah, he was called Abram. He says, we're going to change your name to Abraham. From father to father of many nations. What would you say, Lisa? Sarah to Sarah. Sarah. Okay. Jacob to Israel. Yeah. Samson. What did he change his name to? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And they have Jesus. His name didn't get changed, but God said, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from our sins. Jesus is the Greek form of the same name as Joshua. We've said that before. It means the Lord saves. So names are very, very important. And so we're looking at this phrase, and Jesus, when we pray, we should say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name, which represents you, who you are, what you're like, your character, your personality, how you've revealed yourself, may that be holy. May that be set apart. May that be different than any other. So now we're going to jump into our four questions. The first question we're dealing with for each of these phrases is what truths, and by the way, I found so much stuff for all four, I had to cut way back. So you guys probably have a bunch of stuff I don't even have. I even thought of another one since the service started, I kind of jotted it in my notes. But anyway, so the first question is what truths are found 
in this portion of the Lord's Prayer about this phrase, this phrase, hallowed be your name. So what truths do we see in Scripture about God's name or names, because God has more than one name, and how they represent him and why they are holy? So as you thought about it this week or as you're thinking about it now, what kind of truths are there in Scripture about God's name? Chris. Okay, Jesus, Jesus being God, has the name that is above all names. It just doesn't, it, that, that doesn't just mean that he got the best name, you know? It means that who he is and how he has been revealed to be and his character and his purpose and all that kind of stuff is higher than any other. Okay, what are the thoughts? Yes, sir, Bruce. Jealousy. What? Jealousy. One of God's names is jealousy. Well, one of his descriptions is jealousy, yeah? He says it's one of his names. Okay. So what else does the Bible tell us about God's name and it being holy? Any other thoughts? Lisa. Okay, going back to Jesus being God, in his name every knee shall bow. Okay, so respect will be shown to him and it's associated with his name. All right? He is the I am. That's one of the ways that God revealed himself um, to his people through Moses. Yeah, the great I am. Any other thoughts about his name and it being holy? Nina. Okay, so the fact that God does have many names, yeah. all right, each of his names reveals something else about him, which can be the basis of a promise, is what you were just saying, yeah. that we can cling to. Yeah, Chris, you got another one? That's right, the Jewish people throughout history have reverenced God's name so much, and, and one of the main reasons is because they don't want to break one of the Ten Commandments, the Third Commandment, you know, don't misuse God's name, that they don't even say it, and um, they're very, very careful about anything that is associated with God's name. Uh, you know, we might look at them and say, well, they're, they're a little bit over-conservative, but I think sometimes we're too loose about our use of God's name. We're going to talk about that tonight, too. All right, I'm sure there's many more, but let me give you the ones I've got, and as I said, I came up with a bunch. I left some out, and if you've been thinking about this all week long, you may have some other ones, but here are some ones that came to me as I was putting my notes together. Uh, letter A um, on your note sheet there. Um, uh, it says, God's names represent him and reveal him. God's names represent him and reveal him. And we already talked about that when we talked about the concept of a name. It represents a person, so you know who they are, but it also may reveal something about them. You know, we see this not only in today in names, but in nicknames, right? I mean, how do people get nicknames? Because there's something about them, right? If you know that somebody's nickname is Shorty, what do you know about them? Either they're really short or they're really tall and somebody's being sarcastic, right? If their nickname is Slim, that indicates something, right? If their nickname is Red, what does that usually mean? They got a sunburn, right? <laughs> no, they got red hair. Now, here's a trivia question. Somebody in the Bible had the nickname of Red. Edom, that's right. Esau, Jacob's brother, had the nickname Edom, which means red. All right? So I don't think it had so much to do with his hair as the fact that he had a very ruddy complexion. All right? But um, as Nina was talking about, God's names reveal. You know, the one that he um, said through Moses, when Moses said, when you send me back to Egypt, how? And they say, who's sending you? Who should I say? And he says, I am that I am, Jehovah. 
Okay, um, the, there's, there's a real depth to what that reveals about God that we can't really dig into other than God says, I am, I've always been, I always will be, I will be what I need to be and what you need me to be. Okay, there's so much to that. But often there are terms that are associated with that or added to that to demonstrate or illustrate part of God's character. The one that Nina mentioned, Jehovah Jireh. We've got songs about that, right? That means the Lord is my provider. It even rhymes, doesn't it? Jehovah Jireh, sort of. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. There's Jehovah Rophe, or Rophe, or Rapha, a couple of different ways. The Lord is my healer. There is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner, which has to do with warfare. There's Jehovah Shama. The Lord who is there. And then the one I always thought was kind of funny, the Lord, Jehovah Tzid Canoe. I'm thinking there's somebody paddling the canoe. <laughs> okay, that's not what it means. But, you know, the Lord, um, I didn't even write that one down. Does anybody know what Jehovah Tzid Canoe means? It just came to my mind. Well, you can go home and look it up. That's your homework. All right, there's Jehovah Makedesh, which means the Lord who sanctifies. One that's not Jehovah, but El Elyon is another way God is referred to. It means the Lord Most High. All right. And as I said, we've gotten so used to that. We just sang tonight, blessed be your name, instead of bless you, O Lord. You know, um, And uh, it was already mentioned that one of the things that kind of ties in here is the idea of the family reputation. And we're going to get to that um, as we get more to the application. But God's names represent him and reveal him. All right. Letter B, that is that God is holy. Uh, in this petition, we're saying... God, may your name be holy or made holy, but it is only because God already is holy. And we see that in Scripture over and over and over again. It talks about God is holy. Um, I put two passages on there. Um, and you can read them later because we're not going to actually read them. But in Isaiah chapter 6, we have the story of Isaiah's vision of God in his heavenly temple. And it says, all the angels are around him saying what? Holy, holy, holy. Not just God, you're holy, but holy, 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 which some people see in there in a reference to the Trinity. Whether that's true or not, the point is, he is so holy, you can't just say it once and be accurate, all right? The other passage I have there is Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, which happens to be the whole chapter. And that is one of John, the apostle's visions of God in heaven and the angels and all the elders are in heaven, all the people, and they're all crying out, holy, holy, holy. Okay, so God is holy. Um, Let us see. God and his name should be treated with highest reverence and honor. God and his name should be treated with highest reverence and honor. We see that all through Scripture. Ten Commandments. How many of them have to do with the honor of God or his name? Anybody know of the Ten Commandments? Three of them. The first three. What are the first? Trivia. What's the first three of the Ten Commandments? There shall be no other gods before me. What else? No idols. And what's the third one? Don't take my name in vain. And we get kind of basically what that means is do not misuse God's name. Okay, do not misuse God's name. Um, You find the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. 
All right? But we see that principle in the New Testament, too, that we should treat God's name as the highest reverence and honor. First Peter 4.11, it's talking about how God wants to work in and through us with the gifts he gives us, and we should um, do what God calls us to do with the strength he provides and the word he provides and everything. And he wraps that all up in 1 Peter 4, verse 11, with, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Certainly indicating the reverence and the honor that there should be for God, even though that particular one does not mention his name. And then letter D, and there's a whole lot more, but I wanted to throw this in because this will have something to do with the application to us. God's name is dishonored by the sin of his people. God's name is dishonored by the sin of his people. I gave you two examples here, and this is what's behind the whole thing where God says, don't misuse my name. That doesn't mean just in the way you say it or how you say it or the circumstances under which you say it but the fact that God's people are called by his name. So don't misuse his name. In Jeremiah 34, verses 15 to 16, this, uh, Jeremiah was a prophet, and he prophesied right before God's people were defeated by the Babylonians, and many of them were taken into exile, and the temple was destroyed and all that. And so God would speak through Jeremiah about the sins that had led up to such a drastic uh, uh, example of discipline in the Jewish people's lives. But one of them was that um, some of the richer people during that day were taking advantage of all the hardship and the stuff they were going, and making slaves of their own people. And so God spoke through Jeremiah and said, you shouldn't do that. Set them free. And they did set them free. And just like us, who repent of sin and do pretty good for a while, then when they went back to it, they started enslaving them again. And this is what God said through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 34, 15 to 16. You recently repented and did what was right in my eyes by proclaiming liberty each to his neighbor. And you made a covenant before me in the house that is called by my name. But then you turned around and profaned my name when each of you took back his male and female slaves whom you've set free according to their desire. And you brought them into subjection to be your slaves. He says, you've brought dishonor to my name. You've brought dishonor to the family name. Because you were doing the wrong thing. Then you repented, but then you went back and did it again. Okay? And Amos is another very specific example. God spoke through Amos in chapter 2, verse 7. He's talking about the sin of his people. He gives kind of a list, but this is when he says, A man and his father go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. He says, you guys are doing unspeakable things. You got a guy who's having sex with this girl, and then his son has sex with the same girl. That, is a pro- that profanes my name. Okay, so, again, God's name is dishonored by the sin of his people. Aren't you glad that was only for people of the Old Testament? <laughs> now we'll get to that. we get to the application, too. Again, the concern about the family name, but in this case, it's not so much the family name as the name of the God that we claim to serve. Okay? All right, number two, how are these truths or this truth evident in the teaching of Jesus? I only listed one because there's so much other stuff, but how did Jesus in his life and teachings and everything demonstrate the holiness of God's name? Any thoughts come to mind? Mm -hmm. He always called God Father, but it was obvious he did it with reverence and respect. Mm -hmm. And as we've already studied in this series, he said we can call him Father too, but it's got to be with reverence and respect. So obviously he taught that God's name 
should be held in reverence and respect, not just in this particular passage, but in other places too. Any other thoughts about um, Jesus' life and or ministry or teachings that have to do with God's name or holiness? Okay. In light of the fact that time is moving on and we want to get to the application, um, let me get to the one that I put on here. I could have put more, but I deliberately left it to just one so we could um, spend more time on the rest of it. And that was Jesus was concerned to reveal God's holy character and name to the world. You know, the main reason Jesus came was to die to pay the price for our sins. But John especially, but other places, make it very clear that Jesus came to reveal the Father to the world. Again, that point, in case you didn't get it all, is Jesus was concerned to reveal God's holy character and name to the world. Obviously, he's talking about revealing God and his character, but that's represented by his name for all the reasons we've already talked about. Got two examples here. John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28 Jesus is saying, now is my soul troubled, because he's looking ahead to the cross. He says, now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So one of the several times where God spoke from heaven in Jesus' life was when Jesus said, Father, may your name be glorified. And he's talking about through my life, through what I've come to do. And God said, I have and I will. All right? In John 17, verse 6 and then verse 26, we referred to this passage last week. This is in the middle of Jesus' what they call high priestly prayer when he's praying for his followers. Um, and he's saying, God, I've completed what you need me to do. I've got these guys here. They've done pretty good. They're going to be going on without me. I'm ready to come home. You know, glorify me with the glory I had before. But take care of not only these guys, but all the people are going to believe in me from now on. Those are all things he's praying about. But in the midst of that prayer, verse 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. He says, I have manifested your name. He didn't just say, I've revealed you. He says, I've manifested your name. Verse 26, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You know, we could have a whole big discussion about how Jesus manifested God's name, you know, revealed who he was, showed his character. Um, one of the main ways is the fact that Jesus said, I and the Father are, are one. You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yavita, did you have a comment? Um, <laughs> yes, that's probably in the Psalms, I would think. God's name being glorified as the water covers the sea. I may be wrong about that. That's what comes to mind. So, Yes, what'd you say? In Habakkuk? Okay, so it's not in the Psalms. It's in Habakkuk. Thank you, Sharon. All right, well, let's jump into the two questions that have to do with the application to our lives. Number three, how should these truths impact the way I pray and what I pray for? How does the truth that Jesus taught, hallowed be your name, which means God, may your name, which represents who you are and your character, your personality, may it be treated with honor and respect because it's holy, it's different, it's separate. How should that affect the way we pray or what we pray for? Any thoughts? Besides you trying to fill in my blanks. (laughs) <laughs> you can do that if you want. We should come to God in humility. He is so far above us. In fact, many of the principles we've talked over the last couple of weeks, that even though we can call him Father, he is still God in heaven, would fit here too. So we should come to him in humility. 
To give him honor and praise, right? What else? What'd you say? We shouldn't pray to other things or other gods, okay, other beings. Chris? <laughs> Don't pray for stupid stuff. All right. Um, if we could put it in context of uh, what we're talking about here, don't pray for things that's not going to bring God glory or God forbid would do just the opposite, would bring God shame or bring shame to God's name. Yes. Okay. And the Bible says we should pray in Jesus name, which is a whole nother aspect of this, but a very, very important one. Pray because of who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish and in his authority. Any other thoughts? I mean, think about this. You know, first of all, why did Jesus tell us to pray this? You know, um, hallowed be your name. Does our prayer have anything to do with whether God's name is holy or not? Whether it actually is holy? So if we don't pray this, God's name isn't holy? In other words, is God's holiness and his name's holiness dependent on our prayers? No. Okay. That's the point I'm trying to make. But there must be a reason why God says we should pray this. All right, Vita? Mm -hmm. Okay, coming to God because of who he is and how he's revealed by his name, that he is the only one that can truly meet the needs that we have. All right? And we're unworthy to do so. Yeah, Joan. That's right. Because of who he is, his will should supersede anything that we would want. And we'll be talking about this when we get to the whole thing about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, uh, that's that same concept. So the thing is, is that we're not praying that God's name would be made holy because it's not yet. All right. Uh, God doesn't need our permission or cooperation or involvement to be made holy. He already is. But an aspect of our prayers is that he would be known as holy to the people around us. Because he doesn't need anything from us. His name is and always will be holy because God is holy. But this does have a lot to do with how we pray. So let me give you the ones I have here. Um, not to cut off discussion, but we only have six or seven minutes left. <laughs> Letter A, we should approach God in prayer with reverence. Now this is a repeat of some principles we've already talked about the last couple of weeks because when we come to God as our Father in heaven, it, it talks about how he is God and Almighty, and so we come to him in reverence, even though we can call him Father. So we approach God in prayer with reverence. Uh, another one, letter B, pray that God will be recognized and treated as holy throughout the earth. You see, even if we recognize him and treat him as holy, and even if we do it great as a, as a church body, is God recognized and treated as holy in the earth? No. And that's part of what the prayer is here. Hallowed be your name. And if that phrase does apply to this and not just the next two, on earth as it is in heaven, how is God's name recognized and God himself recognizes holy and heavy in heaven? Perfectly, right? And one day he will be recognized that way on earth. And we're just praying, God, may that day come. May people who now do not recognize you for who you are and treat you for the way you should be treated and respond to you the way you should be with reverence and holiness and respect, may they begin to do that. And so that affects our prayers for missions too. The pillar commentary said this, this prayer is not so much a petition that God will do some great act that will show everyone who and what he is as a prayer that he will bring people to a proper attitude toward him. 
It expresses an aspiration that he who is holy will be seen to be holy and treated throughout his creation as holy. Okay. A little bit more personal way we can apply this, letter C, pray that God will be glorified in our church. Not saying he's not, but we certainly could do better. That we as the church, okay, would treat God as holy and and glorify him as holy. Um, Letter D goes along with what Chris said. He says, don't ask for stupid stuff. That's not what goes in the blank there. On on the note sheet, letter D is, don't ask for anything that would dishonor God's name. All right? I mean, if we're praying, God, may your name be honored, may you be treated as holy, then to turn around and pray for something that would dishonor God or treat him as a servant or, or, or take away from his holiness would be a contradiction. Just like I said in the illustration to begin with, a man that would pray, God, make my marriage strong, and then he goes out and commits adultery. All right? And then letter E will lead into the last question. Pray, Lord, may you be honored in the way I live. Lord, may you be honored. You're already honorable. You're already holy. You're already worthy of all respect and reverence. May all that happen in the way that I live. So that leads us to the fourth question. How should these truths impact the way I live as I seek to follow Jesus. If we're supposed to pray, God, may your name be holy, and we want to pray that, how should that affect the way we live? How do those truths affect the way we live? Take a couple of, of, of uh, your comments before I jump in and give you mine because we're getting close to the end. But what comes to mind when you think about how that phrase, that God is holy, his name is holy, we pray that he be recognized as holy, how does that affect the way we live? We should be holy. We should live a holy life. What else? Anybody? Everybody's like, no, Pastor, give us yours because we want to go home. (laughs) Tim. Tim. Mm -hmm. So we can have confidence in his promises because his promises are based on his name and his authority and his holiness. So it can bring us confidence and encouragement. That's a good point. Let me go ahead and give you mine because we are getting very close to the end here. How should these truths impact the way I live as I seek to follow Jesus, letter A, because of the way God has revealed himself, we can and should trust him. That goes right along with what Tim said. It's my first one there, letter A. Because of the way God has revealed himself through his names, we can and should trust him. There are so many scriptures along these lines. I just gave you three real short ones here. Psalm nine ten, And those who know your name... Put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I love Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man or woman runs into it and is safe. The way God has revealed himself in his name and through his name, because of who he is, we can and should trust him. Letter B goes back to what Carlton said. We should be holy just as God is holy. Way back in the Old Testament, that was the basis of all the laws and regulations and principles he gave to his people. We got a relationship. You need to be like me, okay? Leviticus eleven forty four. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Hebrews 12, 14 applies that same principle to our relationships with one another. 
He says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will live, uh, no one will see the Lord. Letter C gives us the principle that just kind of wraps up all of it. We should live in a way that honors God. We should live in a way that honors God. Okay? You know, we bear the name of our Heavenly Father. Therefore, everywhere we go, everything we do casts a reflection on Him. You know, you've heard that phrase, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. What does that mean? It means he's just like his dad or just like his mom or whatever. In fact, sometimes like father, like son, that can be good. (laughs) That can be bad. You know, they pick that up from their parent. And that should be true of God's people. And and we've already mentioned how uh, God's people, their sin dishonors God's name. Um. Israel had reflected so badly upon God by their sinful behavior that God allowed them to be sent into captivity. But while they're in captivity, God says, I'm going to deliver you out of captivity. But he didn't say, I'm going to deliver out of your captivity because you learned your lesson, you're doing so good. He says, nope, I'm going to deliver you out of captivity because your behavior and the fact that I had to put you in time out has brought dishonor to my name, and I want to bring honor back to my name. So I'm going to deliver you even though you don't deserve it. Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 23. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And so we should live in a way that honors God. Ezekiel 39.7, same prophet, a couple chapters later. God says, And my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. uh, anyway, uh, I was studying this. I was reading some commentaries. One of them was talking about how the Jewish people took this so seriously that the rabbis would teach about the holiness of God's name and how his people were known by his name so they should be careful how they live. And here's some interesting thoughts. He said, um, uh, the rabbinic teaching said that a Bible teacher who does not pay his bills on time profanes God's name. One rabbi said, if a Jew is going to sin, he ought to go somewhere where nobody knows him and pretend to be a Gentile. (laughs) Not giving them permission, but just saying, do not bring shame on your father's name. Go someplace where nobody knows you and pretend you're a heathen. All right? All right. And we see that, don't we? How many times do we hear somebody say, well, I thought you were a Christian? What do they mean by that? You're not acting like your father, or at least what your father claims. I just saw a post on Facebook today, and you've heard something like, if only people who claim to be Christians would act like it. Now, please understand, nobody's perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to fall. We're going to fail. But if we truly follow Jesus, it changes the way we respond to that in the way that we seek repentance and the way that we re- seek to ask people to forgive us in the way that we try to get back up again and go forward and do better next time. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Paul says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The application there is, everywhere I go, in everything I do or say, may I represent 
you in a proper way. Talking to God. Everywhere I go, in everything I do or say, may I represent you in a proper way. And that affects every area of our lives. Our attitudes, our motives, our words, our deeds. And the thought that I had, um, even while we were in the middle of, this, of the song service tonight, and I didn't put it on here, and if I would have thought of it, it had been one of the main points. And so you can write it in if you want to. We need to be careful how we use God's name. You know, our world uses God's name as a curse word to condemn others. It's become so flippant in our society to just say, oh, God, or oh, my God, or, or whatever. You know, I, I've said this before, but what I live by, and I'm not trying to put myself as the ultimate example, but I think this is a scriptural principle, is that we shouldn't use God's name unless we're speaking to him or about him in an honorable or reverent or holy way. We need to be very careful about picking up habits of the world that just treat God's name flippantly because it's basically treating God flippantly. Okay? Um, You know, this is demonstrated in the way we live in the world. We're Christians. People know we're Christians, or if they know we're Christians. How do we respond when things don't go our way, when we get bad service, you know, when somebody cusses us out, when somebody cuts us off, you know? Um, all kinds of things that are there. Well, I agree with that. We can definitely use God's name in praise and prayer, but then I wouldn't be able to teach about God if I couldn't talk about use God's name. Because when I'm teaching about God, I'm not praising or prayer. Well, that's true, too. All right. Like I said, I, the way I live is that I don't use God's name unless I'm talking to him or about him in a reverent way. All right. You know, many Christians have a negative impact on the gospel, not because they deliberately blaspheme God's name, but because they don't live up to God's calling on them at work, in their neighborhood, in their family, or wherever. There's this old saying, you've heard it before, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, a child of God, our Father, would there be enough evidence to convict you? The last one. This has no, not so much to do with us as our work in the world. D, we should spread God's reputation wherever we go. If we're going to pray, God, may your name be hallowed, okay, not only in my life, but may I be one of those who actively be out there trying to lift up your name and promote your name and help people understand what your name really means and who you really are, okay? And so a question we could ask ourselves as we wrap this up, what does my lifestyle declare about God my Father. So in a very practical way, as we talk about prayer, we're praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We say, God, you are holy, you are awesome, you are God, and I pray you'd help me to treat you that way, help me to respect you that way, help me to praise you that way, help my daily life to demonstrate that, and help me to help other people to understand that. Okay? All right, let's close in prayer. We went a little bit over. Thank you for your patience. Father, thank you for this time that we've had to look at your word at this particular phrase, hallowed be your name, and what that means and how that should impact our lives and how we pray. Father, I'm sure we probably all, I know I have, plenty of ways in my mind that I can apply this, and I pray that you'd help us all to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 
or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.